diverse community. There's a lot of uh, people, both from different parts of the United States, that move to the northern Virginia or DC metro area for, for work for education programs. And there's also a large immigrant population. Broad Run, where I teach and you, you graduated, is I think 50% white, and not all of those students were really born here. Um, but we're now we're on the verge of being what they would call a majority minority school. And so the level of diversity in terms of race and religion and cultural background is probably, it's much more diverse setting than if you went to school yeah. in the middle of yeah. Iowa. <laughs> and so I don't know how, you know. Yes, it's, a, it's objective to where you are. Yeah. Um, but where, you know, I, I had the opportunity to be here and, uh-huh. you know, I, I did get, and, you know, like I said, I, it was kind of negative that I had to, that I had the language barrier, but also positive because I spent the first couple of years more of an observant, and I think that's how I learned learn most. Right. And I pay attention to details. So I would just like observe the environment around me, and then, you know, just kind of, then after, you know, I kind of gathered all that information and processed it, right. then I was like, okay, this is what I think of this, and this is how I'm going to know about you know these things right yeah. that's interesting that when, as a now as a filmmaker something with a degree of film like what you just described is almost exactly the thing that you've ended up doing is, yeah. is watching carefully and then figuring out how to piece together what you're seeing so that other people see it your way you know really like, is there maybe something you're working on now or something you've done either for yourself or in school do you have a film Long, short, whatever. I know you've been working on some, some, some things and you've had some success. Do you have something that you would say you're most proud of or maybe something that maybe reflects that view? And I, I don't mean to say your view is like, and we're moving to the country, but so much where you're watching carefully and now you have the opportunity to make everyone else watch carefully too. Do you have something you've made like that you feel? Uh, yeah, I have about? two projects. Um, the most recent one is my capstone film. It's a short narrative that follows the Syrian family. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that one is basically, and I did, I got uh, funding from a research program at Mason. So they required research. Okay. Which is basically I collect the information that I need, um, the stories that I've heard from family members, the things I've seen on, uh, on the media. Um, and I bring all of that information and I'm like, okay, what do I want people to see? You know, it's the media mostly shows you like news reports and stuff. They mostly show you numbers of the events that are happening on on ground in other countries right. or overseas. So you know, it's I wanted to to, to zoom in on on individuals so that people get a chance. Yeah, people get a chance to meet who are those people behind those numbers that you're seeing. What are the things that are being affected? So. Then I, I kind of use film to, to create that story and film it. So this requires research. This requires uh, a lot of careful pieces together. What, what's it called, by the way? Jihad. It's called? Jihad. Jihad, okay. Yeah. Um, how, so, so I guess I have a different question. Um, <laughs> how much of the title is meant to reflect content in the film? Versus how much of the title is meant to attract attention to, like, how much of that is hook to it's, get people interested versus how much of it is part of, say, the plot? Yeah, um, it's definitely part of the plot. And, uh, you know, it's, this word is like on everyone's radar. It's like, oh my god, you know? Right. Um, and that's something that will kind of get people's attention, but 
It, I also want people to question. Right. Like you can, if you watch the film, you'll go through a film and that someone who only knows what jihad means from the Western perspective, right. they'd be like, wait, why is it called jihad? Right. And then now comes the answer of, well, the word has been defined, you know, misdefined on the media. Okay. Right? It means struggle. It means uh, striving to live. You're striving for some, something that's better. Right. And uh, whenever people kind of hear the word jihad combined with Syria, they automatically think ISIS. ISIS is nowhere in the world. Right. Okay. okay. And I kind of wanted to, to remind people and draw attention to the struggle that people are facing. The individual, right. the civilians that are facing, right. you know, so that's the jihad. Person, yeah. um, the true definition of the jihad that's happening in Syria that needs attention is the struggle of those people, right. of the civilians. So I guess, and, and this was the other question I was going to ask them, is how much of the film is purely fiction versus how much is, you know, Representation. How much is nonfiction versus yeah. fiction? You know, obviously, piecing together research and actual experience. But did you actually base this on an actual family, or did you sort of invent the family and then put the rest of the pieces to um, it? Yeah, I had to find like the ethical balance of it. Um, so the the family is fiction. Their okay. names, the combination of them, and the the events that happened to the family are true events. Okay. They, you know, I've, I've taken from family members who have experienced certain things. Um, uh, like, there are different things that the family goes through, and then uh, each one of those different events I've gone from this, okay. and I've pieced them together. Right. So it's a little bit like, like a little it's, bit of a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Of, of yeah. Okay. How long is the film? It's about 10 minutes. Okay. It's a short film. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. So, in terms of, I like how you you focus on the definition of the word jihad. It's something you know we probably did a little bit in our class, but they do a lot more now, especially in Indian language. It's focused on rhetoric and looking at how people are expressing things, not just what you're saying, it's really how you're saying it. And I think a lot about connotation and denotation. So, you know, denotation is what does it say in the dictionary, and then your connotation is how do people actually use it? Like when you hear a word, it makes you feel it. And how the word makes you feel is probably more important than what it actually says in the dictionary. And so, in defining jihad as struggle, that allows for, please correct me if at any point I say anything you know, wrong or anything, but it allows for what I think is probably a more, I don't know if the word modern or progressive view of it. I know that there are people who look at the word in a very literal sense, in an historical context, and take it. To very literally be a struggle against something. Like it, it, it becomes a more violent thing. And my feeling, and this is the part where I keep talking about this, is that I get the sense from, from people I know that in a somewhat, I don't know if the word is progressive or modern, I'm not, I'm not finding that out, uh, that it really could be an internal struggle, that it could just be a struggle to, to be good, to live a good life. Is that a fair way to think about? Like, am I explaining that well? I'll probably do yes, that. that's the thing. Like, the having the word misdefined mm-hmm. um, makes it seem like you no, know, whatever came originally in the scripture uh, is the kind of more harsh, violent uh, way to think of it. But it's actually even in Islam, 
there's this the jihad means certain different things. Like your struggle within yourself, right. your struggle to provide for your family, that's jihad. Me wearing the headscarf in a country that looks at it negatively, that's jihad. Okay. So, 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 so you can always just substitute in the word like fight because everyone can be fighting something personally, exactly. internally, yeah. it's, externally. But it's for the sake of something good. Right. That's the key. So when you say for the sake of something good, is it fair? Can, can you fairly apply that that broadly to say it's sort of general goodness? Or does it need to be a more religious or spiritual goodness? How, how, how closely does the word need to be used with religion versus all the other struggles in life? There are a lot of ways you can fight for something that's good that may or may not be directly involved in religion. Can you still use that word outside of the religious context? Or See, does that the, not make sense? Yeah, the thing is, like, we have we believe that the religion is your almost like a curriculum in your life, right? Okay. Um, and it's uh, so, uh, one of the base uh, ideas in, in the religion is that, for example, you you have to be happy. That's something that not have to be happy, but um, taking care of yourself. No, taking care of yourself. Okay. Right. That's a requirement in our religion. Okay. Taking care of your family is a requirement. Right. Um, uh, giving charity, um, doing things that in society are considered maybe culturally uh, good, mm-hmm. you know, they're looked at as benevolent acts. That's those are requirements for them. Okay. So yeah, and I actually have this conversation occasionally with friends who are like they're Christian, but I always feel like that's a weird way to say it because some of these people. Will do not regularly attend church, you know, and so so it's it's almost like culturally Christian as opposed to um, but the idea that you know when you say like separate church and state or things like that, and my point is as a person who's very interested in religion but is not particularly religious, really like having a discussion, but I don't personally practice that. I say that, you know I always feel like if you really believe something that strong, then everything else in your life has to be affected, by it. you know, like. Yeah. Imagine that it's almost like if you, you have like a topographic sort of map, or either like a bottle with like mountains and things like that. If that is like your core belief, then everything else you do in your life is like laying a blanket over it. The blanket is the blanket, but once you lay it down, it takes the shape of whatever's underneath it. Um, and so, in that way, certainly, I guess, I'm going to summarize, paraphrase, correct me, but the way you're saying it makes me think that your feelings on religion. Or in this case, the use of the word jihad would be involved in everything because everything would be involved in religion or in your religious views. Is that fair? But you can't take them apart, kind of. Yeah. Do you? What's been the response to the film? Like, are um, you going to have these conversations? Or? Uh, in certain classes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was interesting to kind of. You know, all the, the weeks leading up to the Mason Hill Festival where it was first screened, just hearing people uh, say, oh, I'm excited to see Jihad. Oh, I really want to see Jihad, right? right? And just kind of using that word in a, in a positive um, uh, connotation. Right, it's, yeah, well, yeah, people really said it, they weren't angry or scared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it was interesting because in, in my, uh, when I first pitched the idea of film to the class and professor, I mentioned the name, um, and no one said anything. 
like no one asked me. Like good, bad, or otherwise, yeah. like you just sort of. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> there's another student who was doing a really interesting documentary about um, a Muslim father who was wrongfully imprisoned, and then she's filming the reunion with her friend and, and the father. And she was like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research, and, um, like, I learned a lot of things. Like, I didn't know jihad meant holy war. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I told the class, I was like, I, I, when I said the name, the choice of the, my, and the main character of the film was, uh, was named Jihad. Okay. But the film was still called Jihad. And I was like, the class, when I said that that was the, the title of my film, no one said anything. No one asked me. Right. Why? You know? Yeah, yeah. And they almost didn't really pay attention. Well, do you think so it's that they didn't pay attention or that no one wanted to touch it? Because, it's, like, was it out of, like, a general discomfort or, you know, when someone says a thing that you know, you know yeah, I'm like, I'm not even going to touch it and you just pretend like that didn't happen if you want? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But I addressed it. I was like, this is what you had me in yeah. Islam. No. No, this is... It's it's an Arabic word, and those are its ties to religion. Mm-hmm. And this is what what I'm doing with it in the film. And the girl is like, "Okay, good. So you told me that because she would have been doing the opposite of what I'm doing. Right. What I'm trying to, you know." So when she says that, like, was that a genuine like appreciation? She appreciated of a better awareness of the word and the topic, yeah. or was that a little bit of like, "Oh crap, everything I've done is rude." Like. No, she was like, no, and, and um, she was like, yeah, I need to, like, look into it more, um, and we kind of, like, had a conversation about, you know, I, I had to tell her that, you know, uh, the word has been misdefined in, right. in the media, and, you know, if you know how Google search works, you know, they only show you what you biased. You, yeah, they, so, they're very good at showing you what you want to see. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> just what horrifying. you're used to, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I say that, but of course, you know. I love when I'm looking for something sort of random and specific. Oh, and I type half a word and it knows exactly what I want. I'm like, I love it because you just save me all this time and trouble. But then sometimes when I'm genuinely asking open ended question, then sometimes you only get the answer that yeah. you want. And I almost wish there was like a toggle switch on Google where I could turn that on and off. Like, show me everything versus show me just what I want, you know? Um, do you, I don't know how to ask this question. Given your concerns about how not just the word jihad, but maybe Islamic generally is portrayed in America, do you think that's something that we should address in school? Or do we address in school? I mean, I obviously only sit mine in class, so is that something that you feel like did that come up in a government class or a history or culture class? Is this a conversation that you guys have in high school? No. Should you? Yes. Because it, it causes, you know, I, I remember this something else I also remember from your class. I can't remember who said it, but you you were telling us that not knowing causes fear, and fear causes violence. Right. I can't remember who said that quote. I'm pr- and I'm uh, not like quoting words. Yeah, no, 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 I know, I know what you're saying. I'm trying to think of like, it's an idea that comes up a couple of different times in my class. So, okay. Yeah, like, because, and, because, yeah and because people don't know, right. you know, what Islam actually is or what it, what it promotes, and they, they're only kind of like, it, you know, uh, taking and believing everything they're saying, it causes fear. And then that fear causes violence. And it causes people to, you know, uh, Islamophobes to act on, on their fears, right. you know? Do you think that that's like the reciprocal 
Like, is, is that sort of the other side of, say, the same point where maybe in some places in the Middle East where, say, school curriculum is more controlled, or maybe you have state media, and so people maybe don't have access to broad information. You know, when you saw the video of the Iraq veterans, and you realized that some of them had very strong feelings about what they shouldn't be fighting, or they should be, but you had concerns about how it's playing out, and the rest are those conversations that are missed in Middle Eastern schools, maybe the same way that Definitely. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like after uh, after when the Iraq War started, it was like I think I was like six. Yeah. Um, but I remember ever since then, like we grew up with the fear of America because we were like, especially us, we're on the borders of Syria, so we're like they would always say, uh, like I grew up with something called the danger alarm where uh, an alarm would go off in the city every once in a while just to test it. But this alarm would go off if we were at war. So they would always say, oh, like, you know, there's a chance that America's going to invade us. So, you know, just playing in the neighborhood, me and, and my cousins were like, okay, you know, um, we would hear the alarm, we're used to it, we'd pause for a little bit, you know, and we would just look around to see what the adults are doing. Right. No one runs off. So we're like, okay, it's just a test, right? Yeah, that, that, that's a weird thing, though. It, it, I probably used to talk about it differently, but now it comes up every year when we do the like the lockdown drill, like school shooters coming in. And I mean, it's a thing you need to be concerned yeah. about, you should be aware of, and try to have a plan in place. But the likelihood of ever experiencing that, thankfully, is very low. And so as much as it's to make sure there's a plan and to get confidence to students, to young people that, like, there are things we're trying to do to make sure we're staying safe. Like, it's also a reminder that you're in danger in ways that maybe you are, maybe you aren't. It's, it's, it's the old duck and cover turtle. You know, they used to do during the Cold War when I did it a couple times in elementary school and then uh, just my age. But for decades, American schools did a bomb trip where everyone hid under their desks. You could have been living in the middle of Wyoming. No one. Is dropping a bomb. It's it, there's no one there. Like it would be yeah. the biggest waste of a bomb. Yeah. But those schools still there. And so yeah, it's a little bit of a plan to be safe. It's also a little bit of propaganda to remind you that maybe someone wants to hurt you. And so if you sort of become accustomed to what what was it called again? You said that. It was like a da- they called it the danger alarm. The danger alarm. And like imagine us like on our way back home from school. We used to walk from school, right. and then we hear it, and there's no one, like no teachers for us to ask, like is this a is this a test or not? Like we just sprint home just to kind of get. Just and, and it was like, and we also uh, used to watch. Um, like I, I remember as a kid, I would go to sleep sometimes, and on the TV, and I'm, I'm watching the Gaza. Okay. And what's happening in the children in Gaza? And I've I've been to areas on the borders of Jona, uh, uh, or in English they call it Gona, where the, the uh, Israeli occupation uh, took from Syria, um, and just kind of you do live with that fear, and you know, just uh, watching children here is different than children. Um, like as a child. I remember we'd be like playing and then we would just pause and start talking. Um, and one of the questions sometimes we'd ask each other, we're like, okay, if the war comes, who are you going to carry with you and run to the shelter? When you run to the shelter, what are you going to carry with you? Like that's something we ask each other. 
Right, like, what, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.